Spark is an idea accelerator, connecting the studio to the classroom by and for artists who educate. Brought to you by The Frist. Good evening, everyone. Thank you all for being here. My name is Sean Giles. I am the Assistant Director for Community Engagement here at The Frist Center, and I'm pleased to also work with uh, Spark. Uh, and tonight we are happy to welcome uh, our local artist, one, uh, one of our local artists who is, uh, has been kind enough to come and spend third, well in this case second Thursday with us. Uh, <laughs> these typically take place on the third Thursday of the month, um, uh, September through May. So uh, this is unusual because uh, next week we'd be getting really close to uh, Christmas and all the all the time off and teachers being away and so uh, we moved it up a week um, but we have tonight Jody Hayes who is a local painter and curator uh, who's been in Nashville for 12 years an Arkansas native um, a mom and uh, she is here tonight to tell us a little bit about what she does and um, we're all pleased to have you, Jody. Thank you. So Thanks. we'll kick it, kick it over to you. Uh, I actually con contacted Sean about, um, thank you for having me, about attending this. And then he was like, would you like to present? And I was like, well, that's weird, but sure. <laughs> so um, I come from a long line of educators. My mom was an art teacher, K through 12, but mostly K through six for 25 years and is retired. So um, thank you. And I have deep respect. My sister teaches um, full-time in Houston, fifth grade reading. And just ever, everyone in my family is a teacher. And I've taught, but I always felt like I'm kind of like a redheaded stepchild because I've kind of come at it through, like, the university, like, being an artist and then coming just through the back door. So um, thank you all because I know you're exhausted. Um, so what I am gonna the way that I uh, present it I mean I got three kids I'm exhausted too but you guys are like three kids plus like hundreds so um, I when Sean I, I wanted to know who would be here so I could tailor a talk to like what would be interesting to you um, or what could be and I sent this piece um, full disclosure I just read this like three days ago um, but it totally gets at what how I feel about like making and doing things in the world and um, I had a private artist talk um, and I'll get kind of more into the background of like curating and like doing stuff um, in my garage which is a pop-up gallery as well twice a year um, and I want to do this presentation like stuff you can't find online about me it's not like I'm like super present but I have a website things that like when I was doing um, undergrad and even graduate school you went to an artist talk so you could see like the trajectory of their work for years and hear from them and thankfully we don't have to do that anymore because you can dig into a gallery or someone's site so I'm gonna try and throw some images up that um, might spark ideas for you or ways to maybe contain some of your ideas um, that you have um, yeah, and just kind of walk those out and would love for this to feel also collaborative. People say that and I actually mean that. Um, so this uh, piece that I sent that is printed, um, sent to Sean earlier and he printed it out, thank you, um, is from Claire Grill. She's an artist who's an artist in residence. She's a painter, 
from New York, but she's been in Knoxville for this last semester. And there was an artist talk that she was giving maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And I had done all it takes for a mother of three with a full-time art practice and teaching to figure out who was going to get my kids, how could I go to Knoxville just for the evening to hear her talk, and then so just have a lot of, I just love her work. Um, and at the end of the day, my friend, Karen and I, who's also a painter here in town, um, both cleared our schedules, and then we both just thought, well, we really need the studio time. Now that we've cleared it, like, we just need the day. I had a solo show I was wrapping up, or was wrapping up and she has one coming up. So um, what we did was, in the interest of collaboration and, and just a deep belief that you find your tribe after 20 years of doing something, we called Claire, not totally cold call, like we have some like similar friends, and UT is my alma mater for undergrad, and we just said, would you be willing to drive to Nashville? Uh, we know you have a daughter now, like there's a pack and play in my guest room, would you come to my garage studio and give an artist talk to maybe 20 painters, like it'll be invitation only, uh, people that we knew would A, chip in five bucks or whatever they could, and B, like, our painters who already know her work maybe and she did and she also um, mentioned this essay that um, is short and like easily digestible um, and I th it, I'll just quote a bit from it. it it talks about a way of being in the world and since we're in an institution and in a museum that um, the first isn't this of course but historically institutions aren't they're like stuffy and they're like where the history happens so um, she's kind of talking about that in terms of like being an artist or an educator and um, diving into like a third way of being so there's this like boxer um, allegory of a person who's like kind of get there like Jackson Pollock and like these guys are like muscling their ways through their way through and then there's um, the idea of the chess player, so that more kind of like knowledge-based and like how you get there, but they're both based on competitive gaming, and at the end, someone wins. And she's kind of, um, or this author is kind of proposing a third way, which isn't not intellectual, but it's this other way of accessing the world, which is what do you care about? Like, um, so instead of saying like I don't know, it's more like oh, I care. I care about these things, or or um, I'm not sure the answer to that yet. And it. It really struck, like, it, it, A, it answered why she decided to come from Knoxville and put her family out. I mean, also, Nashville's kind of cool to visit. So we have that in our favor. Um, but also, I just, I just think she found her, she knew her people, um, even though I just met her that night. So it was only, like, five days ago, but I'm still processing, like, oh, it's, I'm not surprised that something like that happens if this is kind of what she's also telling her students to read. This is the only text she gave them all semester for her graduate students, which I think is remarkable. Because um, there's a lot to tease out. So her gift to me is now my stolen gift to you. Um, so I'm going to start with, um, this is a Moby Dick quote that I think like encapsulates my studio practice. Um, it's not down in any map. True places never are. So it talks something about landscape, but also about fiction and writing and um, knowledge and truth and poetry, kind of all of those things. Um, Wizard of Oz, so my second grader at National Classical is reading Wizard of Oz, and it's it was my favorite movie growing up. It was um, 
something I had to wait for every year to see, like back before, like even Tebow. Um, and it w and um, there was a practice both of waiting for it, but also just like this magical, I mean, the movie's amazing. And I should, I could have, I had like many more stills I could include in this, but The Wizard of Oz has figured pretty prominently in the way that I make. Not in any like literal ways, but um, just the idea of a, a world of like magic and this like road that you might not uh, have an exacting way of accessing what's going to happen, but. Um, this, I'm just going to show some images of things that I live around and things that I find interesting. And some of the times um, I take pictures of them and put them on Tumblr, which I'm going to show you that account a bit. And, um, and often it's, it's not an um, intellectual exercise of yeah, like this. Um, and so many years of my life it was that, as I was like, boxing in graduate school things like that um, and now I'm just like so much more into um, finding just like finding my tribe whether that's like images that come to me and my son also did this one um, I mean parents totally steal parent artists are like we can steal from these like brains that are open and um, thinking in, in ways that they haven't like been trained down not to think but it's the Lakota Sioux because they were learning about that in kindergarten and um, He made that second one in the back. Does anyone recognize what that looks like? Besides Charlie, Charlie Brown. Brown. Yeah, so he made the, um, <laughs> the shirt of Charlie Brown because it, mm -hmm. it was like a zigzag. So in his brain, that, like, it had nothing to do with Lakota Sioux because it was so emblematic of like, Charlie Brown's shirt. So I try and listen, like if that could be a metaphor for like, the way that I am a curator, an artist, the way that I find interesting things. Like, Um, this is one of my favorite images ever uh, of the Sully, they not made a movie of it, but the flight that went down in the Hudson River. Um, and I don't, I don't know, it connects directly to some older graduate school work of mine that I made of, um, Im from images that I'd taken being on an airplane, just like boring, kind of like commercial flights. like. And so there are some like connections, but I try to just like collect and then maybe after years, it, this image is used in some way. I don't know, maybe not, but um, so I take images. It used to be more sketchbook driven. Um, when I first moved to Boston after undergrad, I carried like a camera around with me all the time. So before smartphones, um, Photography always has been an image-making tool and kind of a note-taking tool. So for for now, um, it very much is a note-taking tool. And I have titles that I keep on my phone. I mean, my phone is kind of like my sketchbook these days. So this is actually my house, existing house, we built um, in place of this house. But I don't know. I can't tell you intellectually exactly why that gets me. And I can tell you about like some work beforehand and after that it connects with, but besides the fact that it's my house. Um, and Agnes Martin is one of my favorite painters. She's a famous um, female min minimalist who um, got her start at Cooper Union in New York, but then left kind of famously to the desert and made work kind of in isolation. If you can call going to Cooper Union and then going to the, that's not really isolated. That's kind of like hitting the top and then leaving. But anyway, that's, um, her work's amazing and her writings are equally amazing. 
So what she says is you're permanently derailed. It's through discipline and tremendous disappointment and failure that you arrive at what it is you must paint. For months, the first paintings don't mean anything, nothing. I might add like years, but, um, <laughs> but you have to keep going despite all kinds of disappointments. So when I um, first moved to Nashville, I had two more months of graduate school left and had lived in Boston finishing graduate school for art and didn't know anyone except for Bob Durham, who I'd talked to on the phone once. He's a painter here in town. Um, and I had worked in arts administration, but never, I just had never considered being a curator and like until graduate school when a professor like suggested it. Um, but I was always very organized and had kind of lucked out on this job at a gallery in Boston before grad school. So on paper, it looks kind of like an obvious shift, but it, I mean, I didn't, I didn't take any curatorial classes in undergrad. I didn't like, I didn't do anything but just show up for my art classes and you know, did well in them, but um, there were museum studies classes and I definitely didn't take them. And I've apologized to that professor at UT before. Um, last year I did. So when I came back from, or moved from Boston, I was just trying to figure out like where I was and I was, um, I'm from the South originally, so um, just trying to figure out those conversations in this place that I wanted to be a part of. And I also was paying off student loans. So one of the things I did um, was go to thrift stores and just decide that I wasn't going to buy supplies. Um, I painted all through grad school, so I'd paint, but I wasn't going to like go into more debt at that point. Like it was my act of resistance to actually find what I needed at thrift stores. So I started making these little bouquets and this, these are kind of my last uh, pieces before I decided to paint for the rest of my life and not anything else because it's hard and there's a lot to do and just the to paint was definitely a choice. It's like I, I can do all these things but I'm going to limit myself. So this is for Eva Hess, who's one of my favorite um, sculptors and feminist and artist. Um, so I would take these. It's got like buttons and pictures of her, and I mean, these. Are, I was making these for me. Like, I did not have a commercial gallery like until last year. So I spent like 15 years of making and having a pretty healthy showing record and teaching, but um, n not having any kind of like institution that was telling me I had to make a certain thing. Um, so, and then these became little like uh, talismans or like ways to be in the world. Um, and that's on her old studio in Chinatown on the Bowery in New York. Um, I left it there when I studied at Cooper Union for a summer and um, it wasn't there like a day later. So I think that um, since it's Chinatown, they probably thought that it was like because someone died there, which in a roundabout way someone kind of did. But um, there's now a gallery in her studio that popped up a year ago, but this is 2007. I did one for Johnny Cash. I left it on his, which I know seems like really cliche, and it is. Um, but I always loved Johnny Cash even before I moved to Nashville. Um, this is for my teeth. So it includes, um, call it for the gaps, I have really bad teeth. And it connects to my curatorial practice because um, I now operate a pop-up gallery in my studio behind our house. And one of the reasons why, like financially, we are in Five Points in East Nashville, and we were able to build and do these things, is um, I have bad teeth, and I always had to have a job. 
I always had to have insurance connected with that job. So I didn't have like the 20s existence of like artist, poet, like working a coffee shop job and going to residencies. Like, and I also have like all my family who are teachers who are like, do not, like you will work hard. So I um, connected to like always needing like fillings and now in my 40s crowns. I'm saying this on this. That's awesome. <laughs> Everyone knows my teeth history. This is stuff you can't get on my website. But it, there's a real connection between like just having to punch the clock and then like investments, like I, just like adult stuff that happened like with money that compounded and enabled us to be where we are. And there are also layers of privilege, which I'm happy to talk about too, that set me up to do that. Um, yeah. And that's also why I do daddy. But this is for the gaps. I still take it to the dentist with me because my dentist is awesome because my dentist is like my therapist. Um, and he knows that I take it with me and he, he, went, he went to my Harry for school and I was a professor at TSU for a while. So there's like some, he's okay with me being like the wacky artist. And if I forget it, he's like, where is it? Um, but it's got my grandmother's teeth because she also had bad teeth. And when she died, I wanted her art box and I wanted her teeth because never know I mean I don't know it's such a personal thing but like who would want that but it's it seemed really important to me to have her teeth um and there's other stuff in there like just like personal narrative stuff with my teeth that just not everyone needs to know and not everyone needs to know about any of these so I don't I don't include this in my like normal artist talk like they're so idiosyncratic and but mainly like emblematic of like, we all have these little things that we chase that we could have a bouquet for, like our things that we, so that's on um, Johnny Cash's grave, <coughs> which I'm sure was like one of a hundred things that was on his grave <coughs> that week. Um, this is from Gerhard Richter, who's a German painter um, that was, loomed large for me in graduate school. Um, he famously makes these like, there's a great uh, Vimeo or, or, or film on him making his big like swipe paintings or like mm -hmm. squeegee paintings. Mm -hmm. He also has a really direct relationship to photography and my paintings probably looked like too much like his when I was in grad school. So he's one of those people um, that influences that you kind of have to like kick out of the studio at some point. But this is from one of his books that I pick up uh, once or twice a year, strange as though it may sound, not knowing where one is going, being lost, being a loser, reveals the greatest possible faith and optimism as against collective security and collective significance. 